Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Matt Ryan, who played basketball at Notre Dame from 2015 to 2017, Vanderbilt from 2017 to 2019, and recently finished his graduate student year with the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, where he scored over 500 points in one season. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Of course. So my first question I have to ask, is it tough having the same name as an NFL quarterback? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not as tough as people think. It's actually, it gets kind of funny sometimes because <laughs> you get that question a lot. Especially when I was down in Tennessee, there was a lot of Atlanta Falcons fans down there. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was definitely a popular name down south. <laughs> I bet. And you played a little quarterback, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, all grown up. Uh, my first couple of years of high school, I was playing quarterback. It was actually a really tough decision to uh, to decide to stop playing. I really loved it. Um, could have had a couple opportunities to play in college, but ended up choosing basketball. And, um, you know, maybe that's one of my biggest regrets uh, is quitting football, to be honest. <laughs> really? So you would you had offers already in high school? You know, I was getting, I was getting some interest. You know, I just thought that. Um, after my sophomore year, when I started really blowing up for basketball, I was just going to focus on that, not risk getting hurt. And, um, you know, that's pretty much how it went. I just, I just told all my coaches that I was going to stop playing. And uh, a lot of my classmates were disappointed. They love catching touchdowns, but I thought it's time. Yeah, well, I mean, your basketball career worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, I've had a lot of great memories. I met a lot of great people to play you know who's who of who's an NBA uh, in a lot of great college arenas so you know it's been a great five years it went quick uh, I wish I could do it over just like everybody says but <laughs> you know I got no regrets that's great you shouldn't so Matt you grew up in Cortland Manor New York which is in Westchester County and you're the middle child and oddly enough, all of the Ryan kids names start with M you have a sister Michaela and a brother Michael yeah. <laughs> That's what my mom did. All in. Uh, I'm a middle child, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Now, yeah. how did you get into basketball? Wow, you know, you're taking me back now. Um, <laughs> you know, growing, growing up, I actually had an aunt, my dad's sister, who did her uh, graduate work at Duke University um, in 1991 and 92. And I'm pretty sure they went back-to-back national championships during those two years. Yeah, so right. I first started getting into the basketball about six or seven years old. And, uh, you know, I was just out in the driveway with my aunt. We would watch all the Duke games. I would try and uh, get my jump shot looking like J.J. Reddick because <laughs> he's one of, the best, one of the best shooters I've ever seen. So, you know, that's pretty much how it started. I started going to some camps, uh, some clinics. I uh, started playing CYO, AAU, just like everybody does. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. Couldn't really do much at the beginning. All I could do was uh, shoot a jump shot and do a crossover. So I remember I remember during practices, everybody would be practicing uh, dribbling moves. And the only one I knew was a crossover. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to start going to clinics and, and learning that there was a bunch of different moves you could do. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much how it started. I grew up playing uh, at the Brewster Sports Center. It recently closed down, which is uh, which is really tough to say because that's where all my childhood memories are. But yeah, that's where I grew up playing. 
for a great coach named Franco Fodi, and he coached me and my teammates really hard. And uh, But we became brothers from that, and my love for the game just grew. That's awesome. And you mentioned Duke. You actually played at Duke when you were playing in the ACC. That's pretty funny to think back on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, growing up, growing up, I was definitely a Duke basketball fan, uh, Notre Dame football fan. Um, started getting recruited by Duke, um, I want to say beginning of my junior year of high school. So that was, that was pretty amazing to get a call from Coach K. Um, you know, and uh, so just growing up watching them and then obviously being recruited again to play there. You know, what's funny, I tell a lot of people, they ask me what one of my favorite memories is of college basketball, and I'll say, I mean, right when I got into ACC play my freshman year, um, we didn't get off to a great start, and, my, and Coach Bray actually made the decision to put me in the starting lineup. And so we played Georgia Tech on a Wednesday, which was my first game ever starting in, in college, and then Duke that Saturday at Duke, at Cameron. So it was, uh, he threw me right into the fire as a freshman, and, uh, and I'll never forget that experience. It was amazing. We ended up, we ended up beating Duke at Duke. I remember Bonzi Colson had like 31 points. Um, yeah, it was, it was a hell of a time. Yeah, I remember that game pretty well. It was a pretty good upset. And you're right, Bonzi Colson had a lot of points. Your buddy Rex Fluger, didn't he hit a key bank three? Yeah, he, <laughs> that, was, that was actually probably his coming out game. Uh, he, he, made, he made a jump shot in, uh, in the first half, and then he hit a huge three in the second half. And uh, I went back and watched that game a few days ago, and uh, I remember seeing me and Rex on the court late in the game, probably less than three minutes left, so. Yeah, that was his coming out, and um, yeah, Bonzi, I ended up taking Bonzi's spot uh, to start, and he comes off the bench at 30, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure he started after that again. So. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think going to the bench for Bonds really set a fire under, under his butt, and he started playing really well after that. Yeah, yeah, he was a great player. He is a great player. He's still playing. Oh, absolutely. I, hope, I think he'll find himself back in the NBA. He, he had a rookie year where he was, I think he was with Cleveland and Milwaukee a little bit. This past year, he went over into Europe, and I think he played well. So I think he'll find himself back in the NBA. It's just this, this world of basketball is very competitive, and, you know, everybody has their own path. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the NBA, it's a, it's a tough league to make. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you were always a great shooter. Has this always been a skill that you had? You know, I would say so. I, I would think ever, ever since growing up, um, shooting was the thing that I worked the most at. Probably definitely, I mean, definitely what I was best at, shooting threes and running the court hard, spotting up, uh, coming off some screens, coming off handoffs, shooting threes. So, you know, that's what I grew up doing. I uh, did that in college a lot, obviously. And, um but I would say also pitching in baseball and, and, and being a quarterback in football, it was all those three things. And, you know, I love doing them all. I gave up baseball probably after sixth grade. We won, we won a, a championship in sixth grade. That was, I'll never forget that. I still got the medal hanging up in here somewhere. But, oh, nice. uh, you know, I, love, I actually love pitching. You know, I, I, I probably could have done that a little bit longer, but I, I stuck with football and basketball. And then, yeah, sh- being, a, being a shooter and, and throwing the football, those are – those are my two favorite things to do in sports. Yeah, that's great. Now, what was your best pitch as a pitcher? Oh, I was I was straight fastball growing up. You know? 
I, uh, I was kind of weary to do other pitches because I knew some kids who were having some shoulder or elbow problems. They were trying to do all these curveballs and breaking balls and sliders and all this stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can every time. <laughs> and uh, we ended up we ended up winning the championship. I pitched in the championship game in sixth grade. Oh, um, that's and, awesome! Yeah, you went out with a win. Oh, absolutely! That's the way to go out. <laughs> exactly. So for high school, you attend Iona Prep, a Catholic all boys school. I know they also have K through eighth grade. Did you go there for all those years as well? Actually, I didn't. So Iona Prep is in New Rochelle, and so where I'm from in Cortland Manor is pretty northern Westchester, so it was about a 45-minute commute every day. Uh, so I didn't go through the K-8 through down there. I just went to my, my middle school here, which is right across the street. But, yeah, actually, my freshman and sophomore year, um, I actually went to my, my grandmother's house in, in Elmsford, New York, because my mom's a teacher, so she, she taught right next to where my grandparents lived. And I would go there for breakfast in the morning, and then they would drive me to school every morning. So just a little fact right there. I bet you have some great memories doing that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I have, a, I have definitely a great relationship with my grandparents. They're the best. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic basketball career with Iona Prep, where you actually played with Ty Jerome, who went on to win a title at Virginia and is currently on the yeah. Phoenix Suns, I believe. Yes, yes. Must have been a pretty good team you guys had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think my senior year... Um, uh, junior year, yeah, we. I think, I think, and um, many other people might agree that we had the best team ever at Iona Prep. If any Iona Prep alumni hear this, they can uh, reach out to me and we can talk about it. But uh, yeah, we won the Archdiocese of New York. That's what we won uh, my senior year and, and Ty's junior year uh, in the Double A Catholic League in the city, which had never been done in our, in our high school's history. So that was a big accomplishment. Uh, we also had my, one of my best friends, Tom Capuano. Uh, he was in my grade. He went off to play in Manhattan. So we, you know, we loved playing with each other. Uh, definitely had a great experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you rack up a bunch of honors your senior year, but it's your junior year. That's pretty interesting. You're one of the best yep. players in New York by that point. You're getting recruited by many colleges. But you're yep. only able to play a few games that year because you had to undergo double hip surgery. That sounds like a yeah. pretty serious surgery for a young guy. Can you talk about what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was 2000, March 3rd, 2014. That's when I had my double hip surgeries. Uh, and that was my junior year of high school. And, um, you know, it was really tough because after my sophomore year, Heading into summer AAU, that's when I really started blowing up. Um, started getting ranked on all the different things, getting a lot of offers and calls from, from coaches. So going into my junior year, I was I was ready to have a breakout junior year, rack up the highest offer in the country, and um, and just have a great junior year, junior AAU. I was really looking forward to. So you know, I had um, I had something called uh, hip impingement. Which, co- which caused actually torn uh, hip labrums in both my hips. And, um, yeah, I'll never forget it. I was just – we were having a great season. We had just won a tournament. Uh, I got MVP at a tournament. was playing my best basketball ever. And we just had a game the week after, I think, early January. And during warm-ups, just something didn't feel right in my hips, and I was trying to stretch it out. 
I, I went in the training room before the game. As the game was starting, I was in the training room, still trying to stretch it out, warm it up. And I come out, and I go in the game, and I just remember I did a move towards the basket. Uh, I came to a jump stop, and I pivoted. And my, I just felt like my hip kind of give out. And I had never felt that before. I couldn't run back on defense. I needed to come out of the game. And, you know, I went to the doctor the next day. Um, and, I mean, it was pretty obvious at that point I, I needed surgery to, to correct both hips. So it was devastating. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm not the only one that's gone through it. I, I think Ty also had double hip surgery. And one other another teammate of mine also had double hip surgery like a couple of years later. So kind of bizarre that we all ended up having the same surgery. But um, it was probably about a six to seven month rehab after that. Uh, it was really tough, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I definitely grew from it probably mentally. Um, definitely probably fell in love with the game even more while I was away from it for so long. Um, I committed to Notre Dame during that time. They were, they were, they probably stayed the most on top of their recruiting with me during that surgery process. So, um, you know, it was a while ago now, probably six, seven years ago that was, but, um, you know, I, I was probably lucky to have it then instead of in college. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're younger. You're able to bounce back a little better, probably. Yeah, I, I mean, I was back playing probably six and a half. I mean, probably about six months later, I was back playing at full speed. So, wow. I mean, if I had if I had it now, it'd probably be about maybe a nine or ten month recovery. So, uh, definitely lucky I had it in high school. Yeah, six months seems like a pretty short recovery time. Yeah, I mean. I just, it was March 3rd, 2014, and um, I was playing, I probably played in something in August, uh, the New York Empire Games, uh, which is like all the, the counties of the state uh, play each other, and uh, yeah, we won that, Mike Westchester won that really easy, I think we won by like an average of 30 points a game, we were just blowing everybody out, <laughs> that was the first time I came back and was playing, so it felt really good, and then a couple of weeks later, I went to a New York City versus uh, Philadelphia event in Philly and, and played really well in that. So, you know, that's when I knew I was, I was fully back. And um, I, I came back a little bit earlier uh, than, than what was expected, which was great. Yeah, good for you. Now, you said you committed to Notre Dame during that time. What other yeah. schools had you been seriously considering? Um, that's a great question. You know, honestly, I... <laughs> I don't remember all of them. Uh, I, I just remember probably a top five in my mind. I don't even know if I ever put this out for other people to know, but the top five I was considering was Notre Dame, um, Duke, North Carolina, um, Michigan, and Stanford. That was probably the top five. And uh, there were some other schools in the mix, um, but those were, pretty, those were pretty much the top five that I, I knew I was going to end up at one of those schools. Wow, those are all great schools. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun being being a kid in high school, being able to pick <laughs> where to go. It was definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> now, what led you to commit to Notre Dame? So I took an unofficial at the beginning of my junior year. Um, really fell in love with the campus. Uh, bonded with the guys instantly. Um, obviously, the academics, the culture, um, and you know. Coach Bray was winning a lot. They, they had this guy into the ACC, which was great. To the, 
I really love the ACC. Um, you know, and, and then after my surgery, you know, they weren't concerned at all about it. They, they just said, you know, you're going to be fine. They talked to their team doctors. They said there was nothing to worry about. I was going to recover great. So throughout that whole recovery process, uh, Notre Dame was right there. Uh, coach Bray and Coach Inglesby, who's now the head coach at Delaware, uh, they both came to my house during the recovery process to visit. Um, they were the only coaches who actually came to my house to see how I was doing. So it really spoke a lot to how much they how much they wanted me. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, a couple months into my um, recovery, I, I committed. I think it was July... July 11th, I think I committed, which was uh, my grandmother's birthday. So, and, and my dad's side of the family grew up big Notre Dame fans. So there was definitely some family influence as well. Nice, nice. Hopefully your grandma was happy with your choice since it was her birthday. Oh, yeah, she definitely was. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so you're committed. You're, you know, you're back from rehabbing. You're ready for senior year. As you mentioned, it was one where you won a championship. You guys went 22-6, and six, I believe, was your record. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the record. I just know <laughs> uh, we ended up winning uh, the Archdiocese. And, uh, yeah, that's most important. Up, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the most <laughs> important. And, uh, yeah, just great memories. We ended up losing the semifinals of, um, I think it was like the city playoffs. We lost in the semifinals, but... You know, it was just great times. High school basketball was a lot of fun. Playing at Iona Prep, which the school I wanted to go to my whole life. So, you know, just just a lot of great memories. Great, yeah. And your name, Mr. Basketball, which goes to the best player in the state. Elton Brand and Stefan Marbury had been previous winners. Was it sweeter, kind of knowing that you had to come back from that injury? Oh my God! It was that feeling was incredible i was at my one year double hip surgery checkup appointment and i was in the waiting room of the in manhattan at the hospital for special surgery where i had my surgery and uh it was literally one year to the day and i i got a call um it was the like the coaches association of new york or something like that telling me that i won the mr new york award and um you know, I, I was kind of speechless. I, I kind of didn't expect to win it because um, we didn't win the state championship, um, which is which was our goal. So I thought maybe somebody else would win it. But, you know, they decided to give it to me because of the year I had, um, uh, the leadership I displayed, and, and being able to come back from an injury. Uh, there was an academic side of it as well. So, you know, it was, it was kind of unbelievable. And, um, you know, it was definitely an honor for my school and for my family. And I was just so happy to make a lot of people proud. Um, you know, it has my name on it, but, you know, there was just so many people who contributed um, to that success story right there. So it was, it was a privilege. It was definitely a privilege and an honor to win that award. You know, I, I'm very grateful for it. I, I don't take that for granted at all. I mean, I, I understand how special that is and, a lot of great players have won it, so it's just a very special category to be in in New York, especially New York basketball. And um, I'm, just, I'm just thankful for everybody that helped me um, get back from my injury, have a great senior year, and, and to the to the group of people who chose me. I mean, extreme thanks. Yeah, very humble of you. And your name is among a lot of greats. That's awesome. It'll always be there. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, it gives, uh, I hope it gives a lot of people some, some inspiration and motivation uh, in Westchester that they can do it. It's usually, it's usually a really good player out of the city that wins it. So, I mean, for a kid in Westchester to win it uh, really, really meant a lot to not only my school, but uh, to a lot of kids in Westchester, I bet. Yeah, for sure. So you get to Notre Dame in the fall of 2015 after they lose Pat Connaughton and Jerry and Grant due to graduation. How was the transition from high school to college basketball? High school to college basketball. Um, you know, it was, I remember going into summer that 2015 at Notre Dame, moving into a little dorm room on campus with, with one of my best friends, Rex Fluter, and pretty much our whole team was on that floor in this, in this dorm. And, you know, um, uh, it was probably much harder for some kids around the country because for me, I went to a place where I had kind of already been part of the family for a year because I committed at the end of my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. So I was, already, I was in contact with all the guys throughout my senior year of high school. So I wasn't strangers with them. Coach Bray had done a remarkable job of creating a culture of maturity and a work ethic and competitiveness that, that I loved and fell in love with, and that's why I committed there. So I, I knew what I was getting myself into. I was in love with where I was going. So it really wasn't that hard at all. And uh, that summer was, was amazing. Um, I was playing at a really high level, and we were getting better, and the team was coming off an elite eight appearance. So we were all pushing each other to get back to that point. And, you know, I had a great freshman year. The team had a, uh, a great year. We'd go back to the elite eight and it was just a really amazing, amazing year. And, um, one that I'll never forget. Yeah. You played very well freshman year, a few highlights in the first start you made against Georgia tech. You almost had a double double, just a few rebounds short. And in yeah. the home finale against NC State, you scored 17 points off the bench. But at one point, you scored eight in a row. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely done your homework for sure. And, <laughs> uh, I got, I got to give you credit. You, Thank you. You're, pick, you're picking some good, main, some good games out of the, uh, out of the book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that first start was incredible. Played a lot, got a win, which is great. That last game of the ACC season against NC State. Uh, right before the ACC tournament, uh, I don't know, something in me just clicked and uh, I hit a bunch of threes and uh, I scored 17 in the first half. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great time, great night, and uh, a, a great way to finish the, uh, the regular season for the team. Absolutely. And you mentioned making the Elite Eight. Before you got to that point, in the first and second round of the NCAA tournament, you play in Brooklyn. That had to be very special for you because you're back in your home state. No, 100%. Uh, we, we were watching this selection show in, uh, in Purcell Pavilion, which is the arena at Notre Dame. And um, a leaked bracket actually came out. So oh, wow. I, was seeing, I was seeing this bracket uh, on Twitter, and it was saying Notre Dame versus Michigan in Brooklyn. <laughs> and my stomach kind of dropped because I was like, am I about to play in my first NCAA tournament in my home state against Michigan? And it was, I was like looking at my teammates to see if anybody else had seen that yet. And then I started showing it to everybody, and everybody was like, oh, my God, we're going to Brooklyn. 
to play in the Barclays Center. You know, it, it came up that, 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 that it was true that we were going to be doing that, and everybody was so excited. And obviously, being able to play in, in my city in front of my family and friends was, was great. And I ended up hitting a big shot in the second half against Michigan. I'll never forget it. And, um, and then my buddy Rex had a tip in the next game against Stephen <laughs> F. Austin to send us to the Sweet 16. So it was an unbelievable experience um, in the tournament my freshman year. And, uh, you know, we actually we played as a team. When I, while I was at Notre Dame, we played really well in the Barclays. We had a bunch of games there. I think we only lost one game. Uh, so, and that was in the ACC championship against Duke my sophomore year, which was incredible. So, yeah, playing, playing in the Barclays. Uh, with Notre Dame uniform on, definitely, definitely helped. <laughs> yeah, that was a great weekend for you guys. And that three that you're talking about was very huge because you guys were down 12 at halftime. You creep back yeah. into it, and your three tied it yeah. at 48, I believe. And I think from that point on, it was was it was pretty close throughout. But Notre Dame then kind of took the lead. Yeah, oh, it was it was such a good game, such a great first round matchup for the tournament. Uh, the place was packed. Notre Dame and Michigan fans just screaming at each other. And, um, you know, I, I was coming off that 17-point game against NC State. So I, anytime a basketball player has a game like that and they get into a rhythm, that rhythm usually carries for a few days. And I definitely felt that rhythm going into, into Brooklyn. And um, I knew the first opportunity I had to, to let a three-ball go, I was going to let it go because I knew it was going in. And... Um, I guess, yeah, we were down three, and uh, don't get Michigan called timeout. I, I ran back screaming. I was so excited. <laughs> I As saw, you should have been. I saw some of my old uh, teachers and coaches from my own prep were in the stands going nuts. <laughs> my family was going nuts. The whole Notre Dame section was going nuts. So, oh, man, just, just good memories and uh, ones that I'll never forget. For sure. Very special memories. How hard was it losing in the Elite Eight, getting a game short of the Final Four? Oh, yeah, I mean, shoot. From the feelings of, of winning to, to the season being over, um, you know, it was, it was devastating because it was the second year in a row, obviously, uh, for Coach Bray and, and Notre Dame that they missed out on going to the Final Four. Um, uh, it was a great game. We played, I mean, think about that for Notre Dame. They played Kentucky in the Elite Eight one year and then North Carolina the next year. So just two unbelievable matchups. Um, and then obviously when I was there losing North Carolina, I just I just remember I told myself no matter what happens, just enjoy every second of it. And I have I have some good memories and recollections from that day uh, in, in Philadelphia when when we were playing them. So, you know, I remember crying a lot after the game. It was, it was really emotional and sad uh, to play the last game with Zach August, who was an unbelievable uh, senior leader and captain and player. And we all kind of knew Demetrius Jackson was going to leave after the season was over because he was just such a talented player and, and had such a good career there. So, you know, a lot of things were coming to an end when that game was over. But, man, we, we had a hell of a run. And, um, you know, some of those, some of those guys are my brothers for life. So you can't win them all. You can't always get what you want, but, uh, to go to the final four would have definitely been special for that group. Yeah. 
but still a great season that you guys should all be very proud of. 100%. 100%. Nothing, nothing but great memories and, and great times with those guys. You're back in 2017 for your sophomore season. Early in the season, you had a game against Chicago State where you were on fire. At one point, you hit five threes in a row. Eventually, you made seven for the game. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was one of my first games back. I had a, I had a foot injury. Um at the beginning of my sophomore year, and I was kind of sidelined from practice for about, I don't know, I would say about five weeks. So it really put a damper on my progression at the beginning of my sophomore season, but then I uh, played in a game or two, and then I think I, I'll never forget, I told my buddy Rex, who was, who was actually skidding out that game, Rex sat out that game, I said, I said, I'm going to go off this game. I'm about to have 20. And then I ended up having 20 <laughs> in the first half, which was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a fun game. That was probably my hottest shooting game uh, of my career. Not not the biggest or most important game, but probably the hottest I ever was in a college game was that first half. For sure. Now, how did you know you were going to go off? Did you have a great warm up? You know, I can't. I honestly, I can't even tell you how I knew it was. It was a while ago at this point. You know, it was. I just remember uh, I subbed in. It was a quick timeout. I think I came to the bench and I and I think I just told my buddy Rex, I'm about to go off. And then I <laughs> did it. And Rex was like, Dan, you really said you were gonna do it, and then he did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. You should try that for other things in your life too. Like, I'm about to win the lottery or just just see if it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just literally say I'm about to just do the best thing ever and then just make it happen. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And after the last game before the Christmas holiday, your teammate, Matt Farrell, his brother, Bo, had been serving overseas, wow. and Bo surprised him by coming onto the court. It was a moment that went viral. It was on SportsCenter. Very heartfelt. You were there. Yeah. What was that yeah. like? Uh, well, none of us knew. <laughs> Literally, none of us knew what was going on. I think only a Maybe I think the coaching staff knew, or it might have only been actually Coach Bray who knew, and a couple of members of the media team who were who are obviously making it all happen. And so it was around. Obviously, it was around the holiday time when everybody's looking forward to like being with their families and stuff. So I remember that when the game was over, we did um, like a Notre Dame fight song, which we line up and then the band plays the song, and then we go into the locker room, but. Once the song was over, you know, I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking of it because it was just unbelievable. Um, the, the big screen comes on, and, it, and it's Bo. And the way the media team did it, they made it seem like he was still uh, in the Middle East, and they had the connection kind of going in and out, and his, <laughs> words, were, his words were being cut off and stuttered, you know, like, like he didn't have great service, but the whole time, the whole time, this dude was in the locker room, <laughs> and Matt was already getting emotional just from the video. And uh, I think Bo said at the end of the video, "I'll see you soon, real soon." And then the <laughs> camera cut off, and we're all like, "What is going on?" And then Bo comes running out of the tunnel. 
Matt's tears were all getting choked up and super excited for Matt because we know the relationship he has with his brother and how much respect we all have for Bo for serving his country. You know, it was, man, I really have goosebumps right now because it was so special, uh, way more special for the Farrell family than anybody else. But to be, to be so close to Matt, the teammate and brother of his, and to be right behind him during all that, you know, when he went and hugged his brother, we all kind of wanted to jump on them. <laughs> but we let, we let them have their moment, and then we got on him in the locker room. He was crying his eyes out for, for a while. But, yeah, super special. Definitely went viral as it deserved to do so. It was, it was a great moment. Definitely a great moment. For sure. Very emotional. I, I teared up when I watched it. Yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of people do when they watch videos like that. It's kind of like, whenever somebody comes home and their family wasn't expecting it or a person comes home and they see their dog for the first time, you know, it's like, it's just videos like that that get the emotion. Yeah. It's, it, they're so great. Yeah. Another great season for Notre Dame, your sophomore year, but you guys get knocked out of the tournament a little earlier in the second round against West Virginia. Uh-huh. And soon after that game, you decide to transfer. What went into yeah. your decision? Uh, you know, looking back um, at this point uh, in my life, I, I love to say I don't have any regrets, and, and I don't. That was one of the that was probably the hardest decision of my life. Though um, I I was in love with school, I was in love with everything about where I was, and you know, I looking back on it, uh, I was a 19 year old kid, and I had really big goals and aspirations. I still do. Those haven't gone anywhere, believe me. But at the time, I believe that going somewhere else and strictly for basketball reasons would, would give me a greater opportunity to, to reach the goals that I had. And that's really what the decision came down to. You know, I, it was just strictly basketball. You know, I had a great freshman year, and then my sophomore year, my playing time went down. And that happens to, to a lot of kids in college, you know. Mm-hmm. Things change, things change and, and you make a decision that, that you think is best for you. And, uh, you know, the coach, who, the coach who mainly recruited me there, uh, Coach Inglesby, he was there my freshman year. He ended up taking a head coaching job at the end of my freshman year after two elite eights, um, which was the best move for his career. And we still talk to this day. But, you know, that might have had something to do with maybe a lack of playing time my sophomore year. Um, but, you know, I, there, there is no bad blood between me or, and Coach Bray and, and the whole staff. We still talk, you know, we still talk about uh, the good old times that we had and, you know, as hard as it was, um, I thought it was the best move uh, for me in my basketball career. So I made it and I had to be a man about it and, and sit out a year, which is the hardest thing ever. You know, it, it is what it is now and, and um, I'm just thankful that I still have a relationship with all the former teammates, former coaches. Uh, still talk to Coach Bray. You know, probably like once a month we'll exchange texts and wow. still FaceTime, still FaceTime and talk on the phone with my former coaches. So, you know, it was just a really strong culture built there by Coach Bray and, and one that I was lucky to be a part of. And and it was just um, just a great experience. I mean. Hopefully my kids one day have a chance to go there. That's, that's how much I, I love Notre Dame and, and will always love Notre Dame. Wow, that's awesome. 
it's great to hear that you don't have any bad blood. You know, a lot of people transfer and they wouldn't talk to their coach again or former teammates. But no, as you said, it was strictly basketball. It had nothing to do with the coaches, the teammates, the school. Yeah, it, you know, it was off the court. I mean, my relationship with everybody was great. But then it was just coming to games. And, you know, my number wasn't called as much as it was my freshman year. And um, sometimes that was out of my control. And so there was not much I could do about it at the time. So, I mean, I ended up making that decision. But, but no, oh, my goodness, there's – I, I still love Notre Dame. Uh, my my family still loves Notre Dame. Still talk to everybody that I was associated with at Notre Dame and um, Rex, Rex and Elijah, who are they're still two of my best friends to this day and, and forever will be. And and you know um, I'll probably end up going into business with a couple of Notre Dame alum or, or Bandy alum. So um, you can never can never burn bridges. Definitely can't do that, especially places like that. You know you just got to cherish relationships and continue to go them. So that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. Never burn any bridges. No, yeah, can't do that. You transferred to Vanderbilt, which is another great academic school. So you're setting yourself up for, you know, life after basketball. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, leaving Notre Dame and leaving that degree on the table, I knew that I had to go somewhere where I was going to get just as good um, if not better, a degree. Because, you know, my whole goal, one of my goals going to college was to get that degree, which is one of the reasons I chose Notre Dame. So, you know, I had to go somewhere where I was going to get a great degree. Um, came down to, I think it was Vandy, uh, Cal Berkeley, and Georgetown were probably my top three. So, ended up choosing uh, Coach Drew and, and Coach Dealer down in Nashville. Uh, had a great, Had a great time there, you know. And we'll get into that in your next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you commit to play for Bryce Drew, who was head coach at the time. Had to redshirt a year due to the transfer policy. As you said, that was tough. Yeah, super hard. You know, looking back on it, it, it went quick. It flew by. But going through that daily working out grind, as, as all athletes know, it's, and then not being able to compete um, in the games. Oh, my goodness. It's it is brutal. And, um, you know, I think the NCAA now is letting guys transfer and play right away if they have a certain GPA, which, mm-hmm. I, which, I, th- which I think should definitely be the rule as long as it, it only applies one time because you don't want guys just hopping around every year. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, that sit out year was tough. You know, I, I had somebody else sitting out with me in, in Yanni Wetzel, and so we became really close during that year. But, yeah, that was, oof, that was probably the hardest year of my life. Yeah, I bet. You're used to playing basketball, and all of a sudden now, you're not. Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was definitely tough. Vanderbilt is in Nashville, Tennessee. Did you get to experience any of the city life and the country music? Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, being a college kid in Nashville, you, you kind of can't help yourself but to go down to Broadway and, and experience it. So, yeah, we definitely we had a, we had a lot of fun times down there uh, had a good group of friends and uh you know we definitely we definitely had our fun for sure a lot of good music a lot of good bars um a lot of good sports teams with the uh the titans um football and, and the national preds right that right right there so you know it was, it was nashville was a great experience uh they're going through some tough times now but 
uh, I think I think Nashville will bounce back and, and continue growing at the at the rate that it was. For sure, it's a great city. I think they're yeah. building up like fifteen more hotels. Yeah, you know, I just went back uh, when I was in Chattanooga for the past two months. I went, uh, I drove back to Nashville just for a couple of gate couple of days to to see some old friends and um there's they're just constantly building building vanderbilt's campus is building up um you just constantly seeing new buildings especially along broadway and going all the way up west end they're building just a bunch of new complexes so it, it it'll continue to grow it took a hit the past few months with the tornado and the virus mm-hmm. but uh, you know, Nashville definitely continue to be a hot spot in a in a fast growing city in the country. Absolutely, it'll bounce back. Yeah, have you ever been there? I have. Yes, a, about a little over a year ago, my cousin got married there. But get this, he got married the same weekend as the NFL draft, so it was nuts there. Oh my god! Yeah, that <laughs> was. Yeah, you couldn't even. Yeah, no cars could even go on Broadway. It was just standing. Everybody was just walking around. Yeah, there was hundreds of thousands of people there. That was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was still a lot of fun, but um, next time I go, hopefully there'll be a little bit less people. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, the bars will be the bars will probably be just as packed. It's just you'll see uh, you'll see some Ubers and, and and trucks driving on the on Broadway. Yeah, I mean, I will admit it was cool. The Saturday of the draft, this was probably the later rounds. So yeah. not as many people were watching it, and it wasn't, like, packed towards the front. So as we were walking, we could hear the picks yeah. being called. That was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it definitely definitely was. You know, I was doing some training in Phoenix, and I had come back just for that weekend to be in Nashville that weekend. And it was, yeah, it was it was wild, man. Oh, yeah, wow. you definitely you probably picked the busiest weekend of the past <laughs> few years in Nashville. <laughs> I didn't pick it. It was my cousin's wedding. He picked it. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. One more completely crazy time in Nashville was the first summer I got there, uh, the Preds made the the NHL, uh, what's it, the Stanley Cup? Mm -hmm. What's that? The The Stanley Cup Finals, right? Yeah, the Stanley Cup Finals. And at the same time, it was CMA Fest. Oh, gosh. So it, it was the... It was crazy. I'm like, oh my god, it's gonna be like this all the time. <laughs> but then it, <laughs> it calmed down, and, and people started leaving, and the city got back to normal. But yeah, that was, I would say, yeah, that weekend, that little time when CMA Fest and the Stanley Cup was going on, and and that NFL Draft weekend were probably two of the busiest uh, times in Nashville. Yeah, I'm sure. Vanderbilt has a very unique basketball court. It's raised. And the benches are, instead of on the sidelines, they're under the basket. Yep. How was that, adjusting to playing on that type of court? Uh, huh. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> it's, really not, it's really not as difficult as people would think. But at the same time, it's very different. Because when, you, when you're on the court playing, like you're just playing basketball. You don't really care where the bench is. But when you're when you're spectating, it looks different. When you're sitting on the bench, it's a different feel because you're on the baseline instead of the sideline. Um, but you know, I got a good feel for it during my year sitting out. Um, you know, sitting there, being able to take in the arena and and how it was laid out. And there's kind of actually some space from the sideline to like the edge of the court 
where it goes into the stands. There's some space over there, which is also very different. Um, but it was like it was constructed as a very it was it was constructed a long time ago. Obviously, it's one of the oldest gyms in the country. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, like Greek amphitheaters, how they go like they go down and like it, it's almost like it's supposed to look like a play zone. On that's how it's like <laughs> that's how it's designed. Yeah, you're right. And so. I think it's, I think the biggest adjustment is for away coaches. Like when the away teams come, they're not used to it, and the coaches are coaching up the sideline. But as they continue to walk up the sideline, they're going farther and farther away from their bench. So anytime they want to talk to somebody on the bench, they got to walk all the way back to the bench to talk to a coach or talk to a player. And so it's funny when you're watching the games you'll see the head coaches standing on the sideline and they, they're all by themselves because nobody else is anywhere close to them. So it's probably the biggest adjustment for, for visiting coaches. Yeah, I guess gives Vanderbilt a home court advantage. Oh, for sure, yeah. Vanderbilt has definitely had a home court advantage. Um, de- no, yeah, there's no doubt about it. They, they've had a great record at home over the years. Your redshirt junior year... You start 25 of the 29 games, so you get a lot of playing time. But Vanderbilt has a pretty rough season. You lose future NBA player Darius Garland to an injury early in the season, and you guys don't win an SEC game. Yeah. That must have been pretty hard. You said very rough. Saying very rough is is an understatement. It was, was oh, my God. I honestly don't even have words for it because – it was just one of those experiences that if I were to, if, if, if any winning player was to ever be humbled, it, it's losing. <laughs> and my goodness, did we do a bunch of losing. And, no, and everybody on that team will admit it. We shouldn't have had that record. We were in so many close games and just could not figure out a way to win the game at the end. And, you know, losing Darius, the best point guard in the country, he only played four games with us, and we were playing great basketball. We were about to get ranked because of how we were playing. And he goes down with a, with a knee injury against, I don't even know who, some bad team. And we're kind of just like, oh, no, because <laughs> we don't have a backup point guard. And so that... It, it was it was devastating, obviously, for the team, for the Vanderbilt community, for the fans, and um, you know, I mean, you know how you know how it went. Everybody knows how that season went, uh, but to actually be a part of that team, we ended, it's 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 hard. It's tough to say. We lost. I think we lost like twenty games in a row, and you know, it was it was tough. But you know, we still practiced hard. We went into every game thinking that we had a great chance to win because our coaches did a great job of preparing us and we had a talent there was no doubt about it but you know I just couldn't figure out a way to do it and definitely the most uh, humbling experience of all of our lives yeah I bet and like you said you were in the games it wasn't like Vanderbilt was getting blown out by 40 points you guys were right there oh yeah that I think I think we lost one game by it was a blowout one game and the rest were the rest were all close you know so it was you know, it, it was it was frustrating going through that span. It was it was so frustrating because we were just right there, and 
to go in the locker room after the game, after getting another loss, it was just like, gosh, when is it? When are we gonna? When is something gonna happen that is just gonna, just gonna click for us? And and it, it never did. And you know, it it is what it is. I say that a lot, but it is what it is now. Um, but no, everybody a part of that team will always look back and be like, damn. We all got humbled because we did not win. Like, we did not win a game for three months. Yeah. <laughs> At the end. I didn't even. I I missed a couple of weeks at the end because I I tore this ligament in my thumb playing against Florida at home, and so I didn't play the last few games of the season. And um, I tried to come back in the SEC tournament because I'm like, God, if I can help us win a game by making a couple shots, let me just. I threw on like this huge hard splint over my right thumb, which is my shooting hand. And it was just the worst decision ever because I had the worst shooting game in my life. Went like one for 11. Ooh. And um, it was it was just brutal. And, oh, man, what a, what a year. Poor, poor Bryce, dude. I feel bad for the guy because he's, he's one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. A great, great coach, great guy, great family. But sheesh, we all we all caught the short end of the stick by losing the best point guard in the country. Yeah, that I kind of feel like Bryce Jude deserved another year. He ultimately got fired at the end of the season, but I think he should have got another one due to the circumstances of a top recruit going down so early. Oh my goodness, one hundred percent. It was it was kind of surprising uh, when he got let go because he had just brought in the highest rated. Uh, class of freshmen that Vanderbilt had ever had. He, he brought in two McDonald's All-Americans, and he brought in Aaron Neesmith, who's about to be a lottery pick this year. So, I mean, for a coach who brings that type, type of class in in his, what, second or third year, to get let go after a bad SEC season was, was, really, was really surprising. I mean, but again, it is what it is. Um, the players on the court didn't, didn't do as much as we could have and we all know that and um but you know coach drew he was he was super graceful in, in leaving the school had us all in his office the whole coaching staff the whole team and told us you know even though the record didn't say how, how special it was to to go to work every day through, through the midst of of losing like everybody could have gave up but nobody gave up everybody was still working extremely hard so you know, Coach Drew is going to be fine. Uh, comes from a great family. He's very religious. He's, a, he's just a great human being. And, and, you know, God rewards people who, who are like him. So he's going to be fine. Uh, he's coaching at Grand Canyon now, uh, living in a great city in Phoenix. So um, all the best to him. I mean, we still talk all the time. We were talking throughout my season this year. So just a, just a great person, a great human being, and he's going to do just fine. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. So you graduate, but you still have a year of eligibility remaining due to the year that you redshirted. Yeah. You decide to transfer again. Why yep. did you decide to transfer rather than stay at Vanderbilt and play for the new head coach, Jerry Stackhouse? Uh, yeah, I, I remember how this went. It was so after that meeting with um, the coaching staff and the team, and, and we find out that they won't be coming back, we meet with the new AD Malcolm, and he tells us that he's going to bring in somebody really good, all that. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, like, I came here to play for Coach Drew. Mm-hmm. So 
coach I came here to play for gets fired. And it's just a huge question mark of, because we're hearing all these rumors, like, who would it, like there was just so many people being considered and we were hearing all the rumors and, and me and, uh, me and Yanni Wetzel were just like, you know what? Our safest bet is to put our names in this new transfer portal because it was very new at the time mm-hmm. and, and see what other options we have because we're graduate transfers. We don't have to sit out a year. We can go and, and play right away. So that's what we, that's what I and, and me and Yanni, that's what we decided to do. And I go away the whole month of April. I end up going out to Phoenix because I have a, a trainer out there and who I've known my whole life. And I just wanted to get away to be honest. I just wanted to get away. And so I remember I put my name in the transfer portal. And I think the next day, Coach Lamont Paris drove from Chattanooga to Nashville to sit down. He actually sat down with me and Yanni for like three hours. And so after that, I think the, the next day, I ended up going out to Phoenix for a month just to get away, just train and, and focus on me and just kind of get out of that, that Vanderbilt bubble right there because it was very stressful throughout that whole time. Mm-hmm. So I go out to Phoenix, and I um, mean, Coach Paris uh, from Chattanooga, he comes, comes out there to see me, and my mom had also flown out there, and we had a really nice uh, couple of days together out there to just sit down and he saw me work out a little bit, we eat dinner and stuff like that. So uh, it was a great chance to build a relationship um, with, with the coaches who um, were recruiting me to be a grad transfer. And to be honest with you, I never even heard from Coach Stackhouse and the new staff when they got hired. Oh, wow. Which, is, which was really interesting. Um, but, you know, that's, that's how it went. And uh, so I had, I was down to um, Chattanooga, Delmont, and Wisconsin. And all three of those head coaches um, flew out to where I was to see me. And, you know, I never heard from Coach Stackhouse and the staff. So I, the, the athletic department at Vanderbilt said, okay, even if you put your name in a transfer portal, I made it very well understood that I was still going to consider Vanderbilt because I mean, that's, I love Nashville. I love Vandy. That's where I graduated from. Like I was about to stay there and, and pretty much have a redemption season where we would compete and win some more games. But, you know, I never heard from a new staff. So that was pretty much the writing on the wall that they were going to go in a different direction and have a new back. So it was kind of just an easy decision at that point to leave because I pretty much wasn't even welcome back at that point. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Yeah, and then Yanni, who Yanni Wetzel, who was on campus that whole time, had a couple had like one meeting, I think, with uh, Coach Stackhouse, and uh, you know, I'm never going to say anything bad about a coach, but he didn't. Yanni didn't like the message he got, pretty much, and so he decided to to go his separate way, also going to San Diego State. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much how that went, and. Um, like I said, no regrets. Everything it is what it is, and uh, you just got to live and learn. But, yeah, that, that's how that went, and that's why I decided to, to leave because, obviously, the coach that I chose to left, and I never heard from the new coach who was hired after I put my name in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. It, it made sense to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an interesting question for you. 
Did you ever consider transferring back to Notre Dame as a grad student? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, I'm going to, I guess I could share this now. I mean, I'm out of college. When I was leaving Notre Dame, my, my last meeting with Coach Bray, he actually joked around and said something like that. Uh, he said, but you come back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was expecting to hear from Notre Dame, um, putting my name in a transfer portal. But I never did, and it's okay. There's, I, I understood it. They, they, had a couple, they had some young guys that they didn't want to – I mean, they didn't want to lose the young guys' trust by bringing in me again, which I completely, <laughs> which I completely understood. And you know, that's what Coach Bray and the staff told me when I saw them uh, in the fall in person for the first time. Um, you know, they 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 were gonna, but they they decided not to because they thought it would it would be best for everybody not to do that, which I completely agreed with. But you know, it's it's funny you bring that up because that was definitely <laughs> a thought. Yeah, I mean, I figured I'd ask because. It seems like the relations were great on both sides, so just wanted yeah. to see if that opportunity had presented itself. No, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and, um, you know, I, I left there on really good terms. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, still, still I'm in great terms with, with everybody from the Notre Dame family, and they still make me feel like family, and, um, which is unbelievable. It just goes to show the, the kind of people that come, come from the Notre Dame family and community. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we talked about it, but, um, no, it was just, it was a route that we weren't going to choose to take. Understandable. Yeah. I mean, I think you picked a great team in Chattanooga cause we're going to get into it. You had an outstanding season. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Ask me some questions because you know, I, I got the questions all the time. Why Chattanooga? Like, how are you leaving the power five to go to a mid-major um, what about Chattanooga drew you in? Like, like, what are you pretty much? What are you doing? I got that question. What are you doing? Like, but at the same time, nobody knew, nobody knew that me going there and having a good season would, would help me in the long run for my basketball career. Cause everybody gets caught up in the, you got to play at the biggest schools. You got to play in the biggest conferences. You got to be on TV all the time. But at the end of my year at Vanderbilt and this draft was happening, like there was a lot of guys not in the power five who were getting drafted. I remember Dylan Wimler from Belmont was a first round draft pick. And so the landscape of college basketball in terms of where you have to go to be seen has changed drastically because you can go anywhere now. And as long as you, as long as you play well and you put up some good numbers your team has some winning success, and and you can you have a translatable skill to the NBA. Anybody has a chance now. Um, I mean, you saw it um, a couple of years ago. A kid from Campbell University who led the country in scoring, and who's top five in scoring in college basketball of all time. He's only like five seven. His name's Chris Clemens, and I was watching the NBA this year, and I see him on the floor for the Houston Rockets. So, so uh, I end up. I ended up choosing uh, Chattanooga because, you know, I just kind of grew out of that narrative that you had to play at the biggest schools to, to reach your end goal, which, which just isn't the case anymore. So, um, and, and I had a great relationship with, with Coach Paris, and 
that's why I ended up choosing Chattanooga. If I answered all your questions already, let me know because I, I go <laughs> off on I go off on these talking tangents. But you know, I, I got it was it was a lot. It was definitely a lot. Yeah, I love that segment. You asked the questions and then answered them. I just sat back <laughs> with my feet up. It was great. <laughs> no, it's just it's so fresh in my mind. All the questions that I got and were getting during the season, um, but. You know, it, it's just I kind of, I kind of, I knew what your questions were. A lot of people, a lot of people ask you why Chattanooga, and you know, it, it was. I think it's one of the best decisions that I've made. Yeah, and you're right with the mid majors now. You see a lot of guys in the NBA playing. I mean, John Morant probably would have won Rookie of the okay. Year. Maybe he still will if if they yep. you know continue the season at some point, and yeah, he's from a mid major. Yeah, I get it. I think, yeah, I know if you're, if you're involved in, in the college basketball world and the NBA world, it, everybody kind of understands, like, if you can do what you do well, you have an opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Damian Lillard, Weber State, uh, Paul George, Fresno State, uh, this dude, Pascal Siakam from the Raptors, who's one of the best players in the league now. Uh, I think he was at New Mexico State. On that same team was Fred Van Fleet. Um, so, I mean, it's just guys all over the league that have gone to mid-major schools and who are making a career for themselves. So, you know, going mid-major, which is another reason I considered Belmont, uh, going mid-major, having a good year and, um, getting some buzz around my game was, that was the biggest thing. And you had a great season. You score 507 points at Chattanooga alone. So in one season, over 500 points. Amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, I, I'm very, I, I mean, I'm competitive, and I think um, I probably could have had a better year. Um, but, you know, it was the first time in a long time that I was playing big minutes and, and, had, a, had, a, and had a lot of freedom. And I think uh, maybe if I was there for two years, that my last year there, I, I think I probably could have averaged like 20, like around 20 points a game, I think, if I was there for like another year if I had two years there. But it was, it was a great experience. I got everything that I wanted to get uh, out of playing there. Met some great people. And, you know, we had a great, we had a great year. Uh, we, we lost in the semifinals on pretty much a buzzer beater from, from the kid on Wofford. So, um, you know, it, it was a great year, a great experience. And um, I'll, recommend, I'll, I'll recommend doing mid-major to, to anybody who is thinking about having the best opportunity to, to be themselves and to have a uh, potential professional career. Absolutely. You make second team all conference. And one thing I haven't mentioned is you were great in the classroom as well at every stop you made. You made multiple academic teams, had awards. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, academics has always been a priority for, uh, for me and my family. So, um, yeah, the, the academics was never going to um, was never going to suffer. I was always going to do what I had to do in the classroom. And, and now I'm halfway done with, a, with an MBA, and I'll be finishing that up over the next couple of years. So that would be nice to have. Yeah, for sure. Overall, Matt, how hard was it to play for three different programs in five years? Great question. Um, you know, when I was in high school and I would be, like the transfer trend was just starting a little bit. And now it's obviously crazy, like hundreds of people transferring every year. But I was always like, 
why do, why are guys transferring? Like you make the decision to go somewhere, you gotta stick it out, and and that's how you gotta do. It. You gotta stay where you're at for four years. And I kind of had I kind of went along with that stigma against transfers. Like you're unloyal to the coaching staff, you're unloyal to the school. Obviously, now my perception has completely done a 180 because I went to three schools in five years. Um, but I think playing for three schools in five years definitely not easy. Um, but it's really about it's really about how you handle it mentally. Um, you know, guys can lose their minds. I, I know some guys who've gone to three schools in five years and they're done playing basketball. And um, mm. the, the whole reason I even did that was to make sure I had a career after college. And, uh, you know, I could have went to, say, I could have went to Wisconsin for my fifth year. I could have had an okay year, maybe average, what, eight, nine points on a really good team. I probably wasn't going to have a professional career if I did that. But I'd go somewhere where I could, where I could do a lot my fifth year. I could get better because when, you, when you're able to do more, you just naturally get better. And, um, you know, I, I think I could have had a better year, but, you know, the, the three schools in five years, I think, I think a few years ago it sounded really bad. But now when you think about it, okay, especially when you look at a situation like mine, okay, I transferred one time, but then my coach got fired. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people would have done what I did uh, Absolutely. In, my, in my shoes with, with decisions that I made. So, you know, I'll always say I got no regrets. Sometimes maybe I look back, I could have handled some things a little bit differently, but I think that's just part of growth and growing up and becoming more mature and becoming more of a man and, and learning how to how to make decisions with some more information. So, you know, going forward, I've learned so much uh, throughout the past five years that um, I, have, I have great faith in, in my decision-making now and great faith in the people around me to help me make the best decisions possible. But, you know, to, to athletes who are, who are worried about transferring or who are afraid of that stigma, it's like at the end of the day, we all have to do what's best for us and, and what we think is, is going to help us accomplish the goals that we have. So you got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. So that's, that's really all I'll say about the three schools in five years. It's just, you know, I never imagined it would be like that, my college experience, but – you know, I had the time of my life and, and, and played some really good basketball. So, yeah, that's all I got on it. <laughs> nice. Seems like you're grateful for each stop you made along the way. I, I, I really am. You know, I, I can't say enough about how much I love Notre Dame and all the people who are in my life from there. Um, I'll, I'll forever love Vanderbilt and Nashville. That, that's, my, that's the school I graduated from. That's, that's where I'll visit and, and show my kids where, where I graduated from and, you know, I was only in Chattanooga for a year, but I mean, man, that the the loyal um, everyday fan base that they had, uh, man, they they really made me feel special and such great people. Uh, I really love the coaching staff, and um, I'll, I'll be talking to Coach Paris uh, for the rest of my life too because he gave me the opportunity to play a certain way that um, that frankly my other two coaches didn't. So. You know, it was, it was just a great experience. That's awesome. I think it's so cool that you talk to all three of your coaches. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm, I mean it, it's, in this basketball world, you can't, you can't not talk to as many people as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I I don't know what I'll be doing in, in 15, 20 years, but one thing that I can imagine myself doing is coaching. So it would make zero sense to not continue to talk to Coach Bray, Coach Drew, Coach Paris. Like it, it would make no sense to do that because of all the people that they know over their years of coaching and um, it, or who, you, who I could be introduced to because they know that person, this person, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you never, like we said, like me and you both said earlier, you never burn bridges. got to keep those bridges there. You never know where you're going to have to cross them. <laughs> For sure. So you just kind of alluded to not knowing exactly what you want to do. You graduated. You're in the middle of your MBA. Yeah. What's the next step for you career-wise? Yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to continue playing basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, I'll, I will be one of those guys who goes most likely undrafted and, and has to choose um, between a training camp with a team or hopefully there's some kind of, instead of a summer league, there's a fall league. And so, you know, I signed with a really, with a really great agent. His name is Mike George. Uh, he, his company is One Legacy Sports. They're based out in Phoenix. Uh, he's got a lot of NBA players and knows a lot of people. And he's, he's a really great guy. So, uh, you know, I put all my faith in him to, to do the best uh, job that he can do in putting me in a situation to hopefully be on, if not a summer league, a fall league team and, Get into, get into a training camp with a team. And, and at that point, it's on me. At that point, it's up to the athlete to, to go out there and perform and, and, and do what you can do. So, you know, with this virus and all, uh, it has really messed up the pre-draft process that a, lot of, um, that a lot of college guys were looking forward to going through. I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. like, with, uh, with college players once they're done playing. They go work out for a bunch of different teams. Yeah. And so that happens at the end of April and, and into May. And then the, the draft is usually at the end of June. So obviously with this virus, there has been absolutely nothing during uh, April and May and probably even into June until the season comes back in July. But then summer league would be the second week of July. So, yeah, I think everybody everybody who's draft eligible this year is, is really hoping that um, – towards the end of the summer into the fall that teams will be open to having guys come into their, into their facilities to, to work out in front of like the GMs and the coaches and the trainers. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I would get a bunch of, a bunch of workouts with teams. And then um, at, once the draft is over, I'll have to hopefully pick a team to play with in, in a little league and then, and then go with a team for training camp and hopefully work my, this, just play well. That's that's all I could say at this point. Is just I just I'm looking forward to getting an opportunity to to show what I can do. That's awesome. But you're right. It's kind of a waiting game right now, and it really 100%. screws up every player that isn't going to be a lottery pick, right? You need to be you need to be seen. Yeah, it's just a rough time. Yeah, no, you get it. That's, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, a lot of guys who whose names aren't on the top of the draft boards were really looking forward to the opportunity to working out in front of teams, meeting people face to face, shaking hands, hitting shots in their gym and, and having them see up close and personal, like what you're all about. So, you know, a lot of opportunities uh, are being taken away from players, but at the same time, 
it's not like they're going away forever because these opportunities could come back in a few months. So it's really just up to all of us players to stay in shape, continue working hard, staying focused, and um, just being patient because the whole world is being patient right now. A lot of people are in much worse positions than we are. Uh, people are losing jobs. People are dying. So, you know, waiting, waiting a couple months for, uh, for pre-draft workouts, um, we can definitely all do that. Yeah, it's a, a very selfless way to look at it. Yeah, um, that, that's the only way to look at the world right now. You've got to be selfless. You've got to be humble. And, and you've got to just be patient because we all know there's, there's always somebody doing worse and there's somebody doing better. So you just got to keep doing – you just got to keep working as hard as you can every day and, and staying positive. For sure. Matt, I like to end the podcast with a few fun questions. How does that sound? Go for it. Looking forward to it. All right. What are you binge watching in this quarantine? Oof. Um, I recently watched Outer Banks. Um, I watched the entire Marvel um, in sequence, all the Marvel movies. I watched that with my brother. I watched the Harry Potter series. <laughs> um, let's see. I want to start Money Heist. That's my next. That's my next show to start is Money Heist. Okay, nice. Next question. What's a hidden talent that you have? Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people that I know today probably don't know that. I want to say, I want to say throwing a football because uh, I haven't done it in so long. And over the past few weeks, my little brother is actually a wide receiver at, at Iona Prep. So every single nice. day, every single day, we go to a field and he runs his routes and I throw the ball to him. So, yeah, I would say I would say that's a hidden talent. And uh, you know, I'm really into the whole stock market and you know foreign policy um, and, and politics. You know, I'm really in, I'm really big into into politics and, and the stock market. Nice politics, huh? Could we see a president, Matt Ryan, one day? <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know, I'm 23 years old, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no to anything <laughs> at this point. Yeah, you know, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Last question: If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my God! You really just asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Oh my gosh. Oh man. God, there's so many people. There's so many. Oh, uh, wow. Let's go with, you know, I think I could go a few different ways with this. Can I give you a couple of different names? Sure. Yeah, I, I can't pick Bending one. the rules. I'll allow I'm gonna, it. I'm going to bend the rules a little bit because I think during the 1900s, there was so many influential and interesting people. If I were to sit down, I would want to have a dinner with Elvis Presley. That's a good one. Martin Luther King Jr. And another one. That's another great one. And I want to say maybe John F. Kennedy and Pete Maravich. Those would be 
those would be people that I would love to have the opportunity to sit down with and have a dinner with. All really great answers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you've heard those answers before, but you know, those are some people who, who pop into my mind when I hear that question. Yeah, I like that. What about you? Oh gosh, you're turning it on me. Hell yeah! I need to hear. I need to hear somebody that you want to have dinner with, and you can't. Oh bend the my rules. goodness! You can, only, you can only give me one. What? Wait, I can't bend the rules on my own podcast. Ridiculous. Uh, uh, too. <laughs> you know that's so interesting. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I know it. And mine is going to sound not as like historical as yours, but it's also someone that you know. I really like watching basketball, as you might have been able to tell through yeah, this conversation. Maybe, maybe a little bit. My favorite coach is Muffet McGraw, someone you know, oh, someone who recently retired. I would love to have dinner with her. I've had a couple of dinners with her. Oh, I'm jealous. You know, yeah, she's... She's a special human being, for sure. She's, Absolutely. Uh, she's, she's a pioneer in the women's game. Uh, it's obviously a shame to see her to see her leave, but, you know, she left her mark. And God bless her. But that's a great answer, man. That is a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but she's just retired from coaching. I, I think she's still going to be at Notre Dame and be a speaker and be into women's rights. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm excited to see her next steps. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, that must have been a really tough decision for her because of uh, obviously the success that she's had there and her love for Notre Dame. But, yeah, there's no doubt she's going to continue to have a voice in, in, in women's sports and, and pushing um, just for women in society in general. So, yeah, she's, she's a great person. And, uh, yeah, all the best to her. Yeah, that's a great answer. I hope, uh, hope one day you can maybe have her on a podcast or something. <laughs> Wow, that would be an all-time great guess, wouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had a blast talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, we've been sitting here for almost an hour and a half now, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your time. You know, I, I really enjoyed talking about this stuff and, and sharing my story. And you asked some really good questions. So thank you very thank much. Thank you. Uh, you know, good luck with everything that you're doing. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely. And good luck with the pre-draft process whenever that happens. And just good luck with your playing career. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Matt Ryan. I hope you enjoyed it. It was great to hear all about his basketball journey. I wish him the best of luck as he pursues a professional basketball career. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.